What is going on, everyone? Welcome to this week's Pardon the Disruption. We have high expectations for today's show. I'm your host, Matthew Potter. For those that are tuning in, I am your short sale expert. I am your hedge fund connection and co-founder at uh, the Family Tree at Real Brokerage. Uh, go ahead and hit me up if you're interested or need help with any of those things. Before we get started and introduce our panel today, I wanted to go ahead and give a shout out to our sponsor, Tony Javier with 10X TV. Thank you so much. If you're looking for affordable TV sponsorship, go ahead and check them out, 10XTV.com. All right, for those that are joining us for the first time, this is the way that the show goes. We have five pre-selected questions that our panelists will know about ahead of time. Each one gets 45 seconds to respond, and then we have two minutes to chop it up. Once that's done, points will be awarded for the best um, for the best answers that have been given. And then at the very end, we have a sixth question that comes from our audience that can come from YouTube. Check out Pardon the Disruption's YouTube channel. It can come from text message of 33777, text question to it. Without further ado, we're going to get into it and introduce our panel. We're going to start off with Steve Trang. Hey, what's going on, everyone? I am also excited about the super high expectations we got for today. Uh, it's going to be a really interesting show. Uh, we do have a big announcement coming out May 17th. If you're not aware of it, go to stevetraintelegram.com. Be in the channel. We will keep you, uh, get you guys up to date when we do make our huge announcement. But excited for today's show. Awesome, awesome. Next up, always on time, CJ Chris Jefferson. What's going on, boss? <laughs> hey, listen, man. First and foremost, it's a pleasure <laughs> to be here. All right. Chris Jefferson, Richmond VA. Is my camera? All right, there we go. Chris Jefferson, <laughs> Richmond VA. Uh, it's always a pleasure, man, to be here and spar with these gentlemen verbally. Uh, I'm excited for today. Uh, always a pleasure, man. Happy to be here. Absolutely. We love having you here, CJ. Next up, our man, RJ Bates the third. Go ahead and introduce yourself, boss. What's up, guys? Uh, just want to settle something. Last week, Leon wasn't here, but he was in the chat. And he was talking to smack about the fact that somewhere <laughs> I said that I wanted Kyrie Irving to be a Dallas Maverick. I went back and listened to a previous episode, and I definitely did not say that. I said Kyrie Irving sucks, and I stand by it. And also, <laughs> today's episode is sponsored by Clover Valley Purified Drinking Water <laughs> for all of your cotton mouth needs on 420. <laughs> uh, clear, clearly, we're, we're just going to dominate today. All right. Last but certainly not least, Leon, don't forget the G. Barnes. Talk to us, boss. What's up, everyone? Excited to be back. Leon G. Barnes with the Collective Genius. And how do you know someone is uh, feeling guilty uh, generally because they respond to something that wasn't meant for them. That's how you <laughs> typically know when someone's guilty. That was actually RJ. That was for Steve and Eric. But because you live in Dallas, I get it. You thought I was talking about you. I was actually um, putting that reference to Steve and Eric because they said on the show at least a couple times that they would take Kyrie all day, every day, and twice, uh, twice on Sunday. So, um, that was not meant for you, but I was excited to not be on the show and just participate in the chat last week. That's how much I love the show. Excited for today. 
Absolutely. I love that we got the varsity team together today. Um, it's it's going to be amazing. We're going to start off with our first question. This one is, what are your thoughts on loan level price adjustments that are going to be happening on May 1st? Start us off, Steve. Well, I think it's great. Uh, I think it's going to be awesome for everybody, right? I mean, it's really about time that the middle class pays their fair share, right? Like, we're tired of the poor people having to carry the country. So right now we're going to shift it up. And because the poor have had gas and eggs and everything else become more expensive, they can't afford it, including cigarettes. It's about time we pass that cost onto the middle class. Cause you know, who's not paying this LLPA rich people who are buying houses cash. So the only people being penalized by this are the middle class. So yeah, I think it's great. Screw the middle class. I think this is the way to go. <laughs> Outstanding. I told you guys you're in, you are in for it today. All right, next up, CJ, what are your thoughts on this increase? Uh, I mean, I hear Steve. I really do. Um, <laughs> I think this is absolutely crazy. Uh, it doesn't make too much sense to me. I mean, I think this is a uh, – what's, what's, so what's the goal now? Like are, are, instead of a 750, 800 credit score, you're supposed to aim for like 625? Or like 640, I'm not like I don't know what the rhyme or reason is uh, around the angle. I don't know that it's going to be good for the market either. Uh, we're taking the strongest home buyers and making it even harder in a rising interest rate environment for them to be able to qualify and buy houses. I don't know, man. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. Maybe I should be in Washington. I'll take R.J. Bates the third in the titanium hat to Washington. Uh, he'll be the <laughs> lobbyist. You know, I'll I'll write the bills. And uh, we'll see what we can get figured out, because I don't know if this is it, man. I'm not going to lie. I'd vote for that ticket. Absolutely. <laughs> I would vote for that ticket all day, hands Me down. Too. All right, RJ, what are your thoughts on this? If you woke up on 420 today and you didn't know if you needed to pay your credit card bill, <laughs> you needed to go buy something for 420, <laughs> paraphernalia or just something uh, the, the answer is you can just ignore that credit card bill because you're going to get a better rate by not paying it and having a lower credit score i mean i one thing i think that stood out to me was is this is the first time that the llpa has been adjusted since 2009 i just i don't know what that means other than i know what was going on in 2009 so i found that to be a little bit strange um, but I, this is just like Steve said, and CJ said, this is asinine. I, I can't believe that we're going to literally penalize people for being more responsible with their money. Very valid points. Leon, what about you? What are your thoughts? Well, since it is 420, I, I, in reading this, you guys know how I like to be informed and while reading I thought to myself <laughs> on 420 that someone had to be high to, to write this legislation. Like, I, I thought to myself, hold on, we're going to penalize people that have good credit. I came into the show pre-show and I had to ask Matt. I was like, I, am I confused here? Because am I reading this the wrong way? Because it doesn't make sense to me. So someone writing this, there's a re reason for it. Drugs may be involved, probably, you know, probably some other things as well. But, you know, the, the question, if we're looking at, you know, the, the first part of the question is a good for a buyer pool. And if we're going to relate this back to our audience, you know, if you are, you know, someone that's wholesaling or 
retail flipping, you know, you probably are going to benefit from the standpoint of, you know, that, that buyer that is in that, you know, first time home buyer. Uh, Matt made, made the point that this is currently conventional and more than likely FHA and Fannie will follow. So with that said, if you're looking for, you know, a buyer pool that this may be good for, it's that individual that's the first time home buyer. If they want to fix the buyer pool, all they have to do is do what they did in 2008 or 2009 and remove the FHA anti-flip rule. However, I didn't say it was perfect. I didn't yeah. say it was perfect. I just said that, that it, it would benefit that particular, right. that particular buyer. So I always look, think back, right? Like, I wish there was a way that we could just kind of look back in history. It's like, you know, if we stop producing gasoline, price of gas might go up. Or if we print a bunch of money, it might hurt the lower class because they might not have money because everything would be more expensive. But there's unfortunately no way to look back in history to figure that stuff out. We're just going to have to figure out experimentally in real time. The, the <laughs> level of sarcasm coming from Steve, Steve today is on another level. I, I love 420 Steve. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are welcome. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I do have to say that, you know, when we're, since we're saying what are our thoughts, I, I do have to say looking into the future, this has to also lend – lead us to believe that there's going to be a wave of foreclosures in some of the lower price points because you're essentially making it easier with people with poor credit to get houses. There's a reason why those credit scores exist. There's a reason why they're a riskier borrower. And I do think that there's an opportunity in the future for there to be a wave of foreclosures. Uh, I don't know if, if, I mean, there could be, right? There could be. I think the biggest thing is, Again, everyone in the country will have to bail out the banks again when all these defaults occur. That's what's going to happen, right? Like, mm -hmm. we have to pay for it. But, you know, I'll, I'm thinking I'm going to do one of two things. Either I am going to start a short sale company or I'm going to invest False. really heavily in mats. There we go. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> this is our, I, we, we keep saying when, but the, I just made a post about this earlier. The data is already showing that it is happening already. Right. It's just the mm -hmm. pace of it happening is starting to gradually increase more and more and more. And they're this, adding gas these, to it. Yeah. These things are the gasoline on the fire. Right. Foreclosure uh, filings are up 23 months in a row. At some point, this thing starts to compound and then it's going to start to get pretty hairy pretty fast. Um, I don't know. Again, this just doesn't so make a lot of sense. Help me understand this because you know, I this is something that I don't understand. It's a second part of this. I mean, this is I'm sure. Our, our viewers would want to know this as well. Why penalize? You can give incentives if you want to for those with lower credit score, but why are we penalizing with more fees the person that has a better credit score to incentivize them to go down on their credit score? Because that, they don't. Want to, because the sense. powers that be don't want to lose any money. They don't. They don't want to lose margin. And so, unfortunately, look, we can we can all acknowledge the fact that people with more riskier credit or people who use credit more frequently. All right. There, there are people that are less financially educated, unfortunately. And so people, powers that be do know this. Right. And they know that if they can loosen credit requirements for people who are more adverse to use their credit on as many things as possible, then then they're going to be able to in their mind. I think they feel they can probably stimulate the market and the economy in doing so. But 
because people that are in the uh, the upper middle class or people with you know really strong credit profiles and things of that nature, a lot of those people are sitting tight in moments like this. The upper end of the market isn't moving around as much right now because these people are more aware and cognizant of things like uh, you know interest rates, you know uh, what type of loan product they get, and that's what we're seeing right here. I think you got to spread the credit risk around, right? And so someone's got to pay the price. And so you know, I would refer you to Dave Chappelle and Pop Copy. Right. If you ever watched the very first episode of Chappelle shows, like you might wonder, why do we treat our customers this way? F them. Because we can. That's why. Because we can. That's right. RJ, I'm starting to agree with you. I like 420 Steve. He's on point today. This is the best Steve I've ever seen. (laughs) All right. All right. We're going to wrap that one up. Um, Thank you for bringing very insightful uh, sarcasm. That being said, we are going to go ahead and uh, award Sarcastic Steve that round. That was great. We love the pop copy reference. Absolutely. Keep it coming. He gets the point for just referencing Dave Chappelle. I think that may be a first. He gets the point. Like, let's be, let's be real. When was the last time Chappelle was referenced on PTD? Like, come on. (laughs) Never by Steve. I can tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Next up is failure an inevitable part of the entrepreneurial journey or Kim? it be avoided with proper planning. Start us off, Sarcastic Steve. I think it's absolutely, you could be detailed and this and that. You will screw up. You will, um, you know, you will scrape, you'll you'll bump your, your, your knees and so on. But that's part of the process. If you don't make mistakes, right? If you run a perfect business, you will never grow, right? If you talk to an, a person that's like, I win 100% of my appointments, it's because you're only talking to like people that are super qualified or family that likes you, and that's it. And you will never do the kind of volume you need to do. So if you're not failing, you're not growing, and you're going to be you'll be miserable, or you, at least you're getting into the business for the wrong reasons. Very nice, Steve. Very nice. All right. Next up, CJ. What are your thoughts? Inevitable or can it be avoided? No, I don't think failure can be avoided when you're striving towards new levels, new goals, new challenges, new opportunities. Um, I think failure is one of the most beautiful things ever. Uh, It gets you closer to the opportunity of getting it right. Uh, Nobody hits it perfect. You know, nobody hits every at bat. Um, It's weird. I think when people start, they think failure is like elusive, like it won't exist. Once they get to some, you know, specific place in life or financially or in business, people who have had some success over time do know and see and realize that, Failure, failure is present at every single part of it. We've talked a lot about it on this podcast individually at different times. Like failure is the game, and it's a game that you want to embrace because uh, it'll get you where you want to go. Deep thoughts. I, I love it, CJ. I love it. All right, RJ, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I mean, it, it, by nature, an entrepreneur wants freedom to be able to go out and do whatever they want and – I think because of that, we're always pushing the boundaries, right? We're always going to strive to do something more and see what we are able to achieve. And I think for the most part, we're we're crazy son of bitches. And I mean, we're going to go out and we're going to keep going until we do fail. And I think that's almost kind of we, we hit our boundary and then we say, all right, let's dial it back in and, and learn from those mistakes. And then let's try to push back and see if we can exceed where we got from the last time. And I see that over and over and over again. 
uh, from from different entrepreneurs. And I just I, I agree with CJ. I think failure can be a beautiful thing if it's used the right way. If you don't allow it to uh, cripple you and you allow it to learn and grow and push the boundaries the next time. That is a PTD first. We have RJ agreeing with CJ. Fantastic. Man, this is, this show is shaping up. All right, yeah, Leon, what are your thoughts? Shout out to 420, man. Shout out to 420. <laughs> I think that um, if I – I'm not disagreeing, but just to define uh, a little bit deeper, I think the word failure is a little strong. I think failure to me, when I hear failure, I mean the business is shutting down. Uh, I think RJ used a better word, which is mistakes, um, losses. These type of things are inevitable. They're part of the maturation process of your human life as well as your business life. It comes with the territory, especially if you're pushing the boundaries. To Steve's point earlier, you're only seeing three people a week and you're winning on all of those appointments. You're not seeing enough people. You're not growing. You're not scaling, which is what most people that listen and watch this show, what they want to do. So <clears throat> You can have the best game plan in the world. Look at professional sports or 11-year-old basketball that I coach every single weekend. We can have the best game plan in the world. Uh, and, but those kids learn the most from the mistakes that they make on the court, and that's why you coach them up. Same thing from a business standpoint. So I would advise that when always trying to plan to not fail but to learn is to seek wise counsel. I don't care if it's a community like CG or coaching like the uh, community like the U or any of the coaching that these gentlemen do seek wise counsel to make is, you know, to make sure that those losses and those mistakes that you make are not big enough to create failure long-term. Yeah. I think that's a great point, Leon, like failure. We look at it is it, maybe there's a finality in that tone, but I think failures, I mean, mistakes are, are something that are inedible. One of, one of my favorite quotes uh, from some, um, grandmaster i don't know which martial arts it was was something along the lines like i'm not better than you uh because i've tried harder than you i'm better than you because i failed more than times than you have tried mm -hmm. right like just think about like the amount of effort you have to do to fail <laughs> when yeah. someone else has tried it, it's funny you guys bring that up because sports is a, a great analogy for this. Um, my son just got a hard lesson in this with hockey. Um, he, he has the opportunity to do a private once a week with a former NHL player. And he was out there with a 16-year-old kid who's going to probably make it to professional hockey. And this 16-year-old is falling left and right. And he looked at my son and he goes, do you see what he's doing? He's seeing how far he can go. So when he's in the game, he doesn't fall. But in practice, he has to do that. And I think as entrepreneurs, we have to do the same thing. We don't actually know if one of us can become the next Elon Musk unless we push ourselves. And I think that's what we consistently do is we push ourselves into, whoa, we went too far. All right, that was a little bit too much. Reel it back, dial it in. Let's figure out what we need to do to be better next time. You know, actually, I really like this example. It's like a, just a personal uh, anecdote myself. Uh, I learned how to snowboard uh, on my own on my first day. Uh, my, my friend was teaching me, right? And the whole time he's like, Steve, I've never seen anyone wipe out as many times and as hard as you have on one day. But by the end of the day, I was able to snowboard on my own, right? It was just you have to embrace it's going to suck so you can get to where you want to be.
Good round, good round. I'm going to go ahead and award this one to Leon. Main reason why is Leon brought us back from that brink of failure and just went ahead and, you know, gave us that that advice that we were looking for where it was like, hey, look, it's not failure. It's just seeing how far we can push ourselves. You know, mistakes. All right, next up, this one is certain to elicit <laughs> some great <clears throat> some great conversation. In honor of 420, should we drug test our employees? Start us off, Leon. Hail to the yeah. Let's start <laughs> there. Here's why that, um, and I, let me preface this with this. I do not see marijuana, trees, sticky, icky, icky, whatever you call it, whatever your vernacular is when it comes to weed. I'm cool and I'm down with that. I have no issues with that. What I'm looking for is higher addictions in a drug test. I think it's hold people, people accountable, especially on different levels in which you're hiring within your organization. In real estate, you know, we have admin, we have contractors, we have all types of different uh, people that we're hiring for. So I think it's, um, it's something that we, we do personality uh, tests uh, to see to make sure that we have the right people in the right seats. I think we, we should also hold people accountable um, to a drug test to start off their employment. And if you feel like they potentially potentially could have issues, random tests are okay too. Very well thought out answer there, Leon. Uh, we, we appreciate the sticky icky uh, drop as well. Um, Steve, what about you? Uh, you going to start uh, drug testing everybody? Well, what everyone doesn't know is that they've been drug tested already in our office, right? <laughs> so um, here's what I'll say. If I'm going to drug test my office, it's only to make sure that, that they are doing drugs, right? Like our sales guys <laughs> need to be doing this. Our creatives need to be doing this, right? So I just want to make sure that they belong if I'm drug testing. But I, I, I debated this a long time ago, and I realized, or I came to the conclusion, if I drug test, I will be out of business. Right? I'm in a, I run a sales organization. I will be out of business. So no, we did not drug test. Facts. <laughs> um, <laughs> CJ, what about you? You, you? you pop a test on people or no? <laughs> nah, chill, man. We on uh, NBA Player Association policies over here. Man. <laughs> <laughs> this opened up, man. It's all good. All right, listen. At the U, baby, we not mad at you, man. Now, if you look, if you on that hard stuff, all right. If you if you graduated, if you went varsity college with the drugs, man, professional. But <laughs> <laughs> well, now we, you know, we gotta, <laughs> you know, we can't let that go. We can't let you do all of that. But nah, man, we on NFL. I mean, NBA Player Association, man. Whatever they say, that's what we say over here. <laughs> NFL standards. Outstanding. We absolutely love that you're not letting anybody in with those uh, upperclassmen uh, courses. Uh, next nah, up, nah. RJ. <laughs> RJ, what about you? What are you doing, boss? I'm drug testing Potter. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I want to know why Potter gave Steve. <laughs> I want to know why Potter gave Steve round one. Man, I want to know why he gave Leon round two when Leon just changed the whole question. And Potter's like, good job changing the word failure to you know, mess ups. Yeah, you get the point. It was well, insightful. That guy. Yeah, listen, over here, um, no, we're, we're not drug testing. I mean, um, I, I agree with what they were saying. Like, I, I think if you, if you graduate to the hard stuff – uh, I don't need a drug test to let me know that I'm I'm present enough, and I think I'm going to see a change in behavior. 
Um, but every now and then we, we openly suggest that the green stuff be consumed <laughs> so we can be more focused on what we're doing. So get the no, creative no juices flowing. Man. Yeah. Are you sure you're present CJ? I mean, or RJ, I'm looking at you right now. I'm not sure you're present. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're, no, he, you, I think it. this holiday means a little bit more to you yeah, than, yeah. Uh, than the rest we're of us. celebrating over here, right? RJ is going to be missing that credit card payment. Here. <laughs> What's yeah, that, he might be in outer space. Nah, he might be in outer space over there. But nah, listen. <laughs> I mean, everybody. Ass. Yeah, everybody needs a Potter on the squad. You know, at the end of the day, everybody needs an RJ. Get the creative juices flowing. All right, NBA rules, like I said, man. Sometimes you got to lock in and focus. You know, go to the Titanium, come to the U. Go out to Steve Train's place. Leon might beat you up a little bit. Or he might hit it with you. I'm not sure. All right, but have a good time. I said I have no problem with the green stuff. Zero. Yeah. It's never been an issue for me. Not my cup of tea, but I don't have any issue with it. But I will say, if you are someone that's scaling and growing a team, I think this is very important. Um, this is something that you set standards when people are coming in that, hey, look, you know, if you want to do these things, I'm cool with this. But you start graduating into, as CJ said, graduate level um, narcotics and things like that that are going to affect, you know, you in a different way. I need to set that tone as a leader within my organization, running a specifically trying to scale and grow a flipping operation, a property management company. These are people that are going to be in the houses that you own. I think it's important uh, to to put that out there. And if you don't, it's you know, that's on. You, but I do think it, it gives you um, out of the gate some trust with your employees. You know, what's a, one of the most effective videos I had for recruiting was when I posted a video about how drug dealers make the best business owners. I had so many DMs like, hey, can I work for you? It's like, talk to my recruiter. <laughs> talk to my recruiter. So it's a little it's, bit. It's 2023. I'm, I'm, I'm more shocked when I see a cigarette than a joint or a blunt man yeah you're disappointed right, when you see the cigarette it's like man make better life decisions yeah i'm like bro what are you doing man i might make this easier on yourself man well, have a yeah. good time what are you doing man i can tell you i smell uh, a different uh, a different tobacco here in florida more often than i smell regular <laughs> tobacco that is for sure exactly all right so that round did not disappoint <laughs> at all um really glad to see that everybody's on the same page leon of course wrapped us up there and you know brought in the real answer that we were looking for but we're gonna have a little fun with that one i'm gonna give that one to sarcastic steve as well you know trying to get everybody high so that they do their job um shout out to steve over there on his policies real quick also gonna send it over to steve for a word from our sponsors all right so today's sponsor is 10x tv or tv with tony.com do you want to get inbound leads calling you and get celebrity status in your market? Look no further than Tony Javier's 10X TV program. Tony has been doing TV commercials to find consistent, motivated sellers for over a decade. It is one of the things that has allowed him to do over a thousand flips. He will use his proven TV commercial formula to get high quality leads calling you and even set it up for you. Get in front of 10 times more people, 10 times faster, 10 times cheaper, with 10 times more credibility than any other marketing channel. Surprisingly, TV has little to no competition and can get you a steady flow of motivated seller leads. If you want to see why over 100 real estate investors have used Tony to run their TV commercials, 
Go to TVWithTony.com to see if there's a spot available in your market. Again, go to TVWithTony.com. Outstanding. Thank you, Steve. We appreciate that. Next up, is doing land deals easier than traditional real estate deals? Start us off, Steve. So I had Ray Jang on the show yesterday. And man, it sure seems like it. It certainly seems like it is. Uh, and uh, Jack Bosch is someone I look up to tremendously in our market, a partner in our bank. And he seems to show it as well. But with all that being said, I cannot speak intelligently on it because I've never tried to go act to go after land actively. All the land deals we've done has been passive. It's been a homeowner. like, I'm not selling my property, but I got this piece of land over here. And every time we've done that, it's been an abject failure, total disaster. So, I've never uh, gone through it intentionally. I can't speak, uh, so I can't speak intelligently on this. It appears to be, but I can't say it with full confidence. Apparently, can't speak intelligently at all. So, <laughs> thank you. Next thank up, you. <laughs> that may be CJ. your funniest line, Potter. <laughs> CJ, what are your thoughts? Someone fire him now. I think it's only easier in the context of people don't have the same emotional attachment to lots and land as they do to houses or, you know, commercial or what have you, uh, cause it's not physical property and it's easy for people to kind of forget about it or again, not have that emotional attachment, but I think it, I think it kind of stops there. I mean, I've done land deals. I've done a decent amount of them. I think that, you know, regardless, the same skill set is needed sales wise to be able to have a conversation and negotiate really strong pricing I think you still got to know how to have conversations and locate buyers. You got to know how to market still. Uh, so, I mean, it's the exact same skill set. I think people just simply have a less emotional attachment uh, when it comes to land. And that might be the only thing that really kind of makes it easier. Nice insight, CJ. We, we, we appreciate that. All right, RJ, what about you? What are you doing with land? So uh, August of last year, we hired a gentleman named Trent Bates, no relation to me. Um, and he came in from another organization that primarily was wholesaling land. And we told him like, hey, we're, we're mainly single family and small multifamily. That's our bread and butter. And he wanted to be able to do some acquisitions campaigns on vacant land. And we kind of foo-fooed him away like, no, nah, we're not going to mess with that. And then through his own organic marketing, he got us some deals. And to CJ's point, yeah, on the acquisition side, there, there might not be any emotional attachment to land, but on the disposition side, this is where it becomes a lot easier because there's no inspections needed, right? So there's not needing access to the property and doing a walkthrough and finding out if there's plumbing and electrical and all these different issues. So from a disposition, when you're wholesaling, yes, land can be much easier and fruitful for your company. Interesting points. Like it, RJ. All right, Leon, what about you? Interesting points, but not the right answers. Um, the dispo side <laughs> to RJ, RJ got the closest on the right answer. It can be easier depending upon your exit strategy. Here's why I know this. Over the last 13 years of the collective genius, prior to the last three of those 13, there has been really one land flipper that has been teaching a lot of people that has been in this group, to Steve's point, Jack Bosch uh, from Phoenix. He's been teaching people how to do this for a very, very long time. Until the last three years, 
there really only been one or two land flippers uh, in uh, our group. In the last three years, I have seen this really grow. 20, 30 members now that only focus on flipping land. Now, specifically, the exit strategy is flipping that land through a wholesale strategy or, or an owner finance strategy. Okay, that can be easier because of inspections and those type of things. But the question is, is land deals easier? If you are looking to develop or entitle and do all types of different things on that land, that can be much, much harder than just a single family traditional, what most people that are watching the show do. But I have seen it grow significantly with the strategy that is similar to house wholesaling not the land entitlement development side. I love it when someone says that my answer was wrong and then says absolutely nothing following that. <laughs> but what, what was your point? And so you know Jack Bosch, and now there's 30 Jack Bosches in Collective Genius? No, the, the point is... <laughs> it's listen, easier. I, look, this is how, this is how you were... You were listening. You weren't listening because you're high. The second part of the, of the answer was the right answer. Is it can't it can be unless you're looking. Your exit strategy is to sell to a developer or to develop and entitle that land on yourself. That can be much more complicated. So yes, it can be easier. Is the first part of that. Second part, you apparently didn't listen. You're right. I will say this. Here is one of the biggest issues that we've run in with vacant land is that you will run into more people pretending to be the seller and not actually be the owner. There's a lot more scams associated with vacant land than houses. And so that has been one thing that we've had to overcome. I think in our first seven years of being in real estate, we might've run into that like twice. And so far in 2023, we've run into that like five times and it's all been on vacant land. So that's been our biggest hurdle to overcome mm -hmm. so far. Yeah, and I get that, I get the point. Go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to add to that that um, the the, the <clears throat> person that is uh, trying to sell it is not the person, but also uh, the biggest issues I've heard are uh, the tracks. Uh, they they're not they can't be developed on. Um, there are issues with the soil. There's you can't do anything with these lands, so they they make them less less marketable. But a lot of people. The reason it can be easier, these tracks are costing five grand, 10 grand, 20 grand. So it's a low barrier of entry from a cost standpoint. Yeah. All I was going to say is I, I, I follow what you're saying, Leon, but I also would argue that it's, it's, it's not that it's easier. It's just a less saturated market. It's just less people present in the market of land buying, land investing. The concept of doing, it's the exact same business. There's no difference in, if I want to do owner financing on a single family house, it's no different than if I want to do single family. I mean, if I want to do owner financing on a lot or a piece of land, if wholesaling it, it's the exact same process. The, the steps are literally the exact same. There's no difference. It's just less people that are present currently in that market. More people are starting to flood it and start to get into it. But I don't, I don't know that that's it being easier. I think anything is, is you're going to see more results for people that are, that are first to entry uh, all the time, then you're going to see, you know, people that are not. Two things. Number one, point to RJ on that round. Number two, if I ever see firematthewpotter.com in the chat again, 
I, I swear nobody's getting any points ever again. Ever again. Steve, I just, was just, just reminding the audience that it's up. That was all. Looks like there's going to be a lot of points awarded to other people than Steve. And is that, a new, is that a new hashtag? It is not. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <clears throat> Next up, number five. How influential are Chinese investors in America's real estate market right now? Start us off, RJ. So I was actually kind of confused by this question. I actually asked before, like, I, I don't understand why this was a question that was asked. I, I, don't, I don't understand the timing of it. And so based off of the research that I did, uh, you know, I, they're the minority as far as foreign investors go in the United States. I mean, more Canadians are investing than the Chinese and American real estate. So how influential are they? I mean, I <laughs> obviously they're, they're, all, they're always having some sort of an impact, but it's a, a small percentage in comparison uh, to everything else that's going on. So I, I would say it's a very small percent. And the award for the worst answer ever. I asked TV. why it was a question. I don't understand what it was for. Thank you for not answering the question, RJ. We, I said we, very little influence. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next, next up, Leon, what are your thoughts on this? So from our standpoint, I don't think anyone on this panel, um, and I could be wrong, uh, I don't think anyone on this panel, though, is seeing influence in what we do. I think if, uh, to RJ's point, if you research this, and I had to because this is not something I, that I see in a daily or have daily conversations about or even quarterly conversations about. Um, you know, the Canadians, as to, to RJ's point, are doing, you know, to date, do the highest percentage of any foreign investors. But I do see from, from what I was able to read, there is some influence there, so much so especially on the ag side. And this is not a lane in which we play in, but farmland seems to be a new focus of the outside uh, foreign investor. And it seems that that seems to be the case with Chinese investors. So it's gotten enough um, uh, attention that it's getting state governments, Texas, as well as federal government looking into it. So obviously there's some influence there, but I don't think anyone on this panel or people that are watching the show um, are feeling any effects of that today. Good insight, Leon. We, we appreciate you actually answering the question, unlike RJ. Um, <laughs> next next up, uh, Wu Trang, what are your thoughts? Uh, when I read this question, I was kind of thinking they were talking about the hedge fund that we were starting, but uh, I'm not sure if that was the direction we were going to go with this. Um, I did have the good fortune to talk to uh, Ryan Zolan, uh, earlier today and he mentioned that he's got this multifamily that uh they got these chinese investors uh that are buying and the numbers they share with me is like that doesn't make any damn sense but i think when they're coming from china it doesn't have to make sense you know the numbers the, the challenge with the, the investors coming from china is not that they're going to be competing against you on like uh as far as like the quality of the deal the problem is that they don't care about the roi as much because China appears to be in a bubble. So they're just trying to get their money out and park it anywhere in the U.S. If you look in like um, the penthouses uh, in New York, there are literally floors that are owned by people from China who have never set eyes on the property, who have no intention to ever occupy the property. It's just sitting 
vacant, right? Millions of dollars for a floor sitting vacant because whatever they can do to make sure that their money is tied to the U.S. dollar versus the Chinese money, that's what it is. But as far as being an influence, I don't think I don't see them being an influence. Damn, Steve coming with insider information there. <laughs> yeah. All right, CJ, what are your thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> What's that URL again? <laughs> uh, I can't I, I can't speak from research because I just saw the questions like uh, as I was late for the show starting. Uh, so I can't speak from, from experience. All right, I'll speak from experience. Uh, what I've seen in the last you know 13 years of being in business is that EB5 investing is huge, huge business. Uh, maybe it's not direct purchasers, uh, but I see EB5 money flowing all the time, uh, supporting different funds uh, locally, people that I know in different states. Uh, I know EB5 money is backing uh, a ton of different projects in different places uh, as well. So I don't, you know, I don't know how much that influence is or isn't, uh, but I think money from China in the form of EB5 for sure, from my experience, is flowing extremely heavily inside of the market uh, nationwide. Uh, and so whether that's in the form of, again, direct buying, more so I've seen it in the form of, uh, you know, funding into lending or purchases. Uh, but that money is definitely in this market and has been for a very long time. You know, Leon, on your point about the, the ag side of things, that I that's what I saw was that's happening a lot in Florida. And so I was mm-hmm. curious if that's something that you're seeing there. And again, to your point all of us are not really messing around with that so that really wouldn't be anything that we really know about but that that was the one portion of what i saw in several articles that i did research on because i actually show up on time and read the questions days in advance (laughs) yeah so it's Our governor right now has all of his uh, attention towards Disney for some reason, uh, rather than a presidential race. Uh, But I have read articles where DeSantis has um, shown concern um, of the amount of ag land being purchased, because what most people don't know outside of Miami, Jacksonville, Orlando, Tampa, the major cities, everything in between is farmland. Um, and so, yes, there has been articles written on that and the concern. Uh, it's still a small percentage. And to my, uh, you know, earlier, what I was mentioning is that we see some influence, but it's not enough at this point that I think that state governments and federal government is, is keeping an eye on it. We've only seen it from our perspective, uh, from uh, our community. Uh, we have one uh, member that has a Chinese network that buys and funds a lot of deals with our community. Uh, And that's really the only influence that I've seen from a business standpoint. Uh, When I lived in Honolulu, um, I did see what to Steve's point, um, there were if you were in the market for those million dollar type penthouses, um, those were flying off the shelf to foreign investors, a big percentage of that being Chinese. So from an influential standpoint, if you're purchasing one of those, you would have felt that effect in Miami, New York, in Honolulu, but for us, and what we are usually are talking about on this show, I don't, I don't, we don't see it as much. All right, <clears throat> as promised, Steve won't be awarded any more points. So this round, gonna give it to my man Chris Jefferson, CJ coming in with the EB five funding, like so obscure but also very very relevant so we appreciate you uh you know as always we have the most informed uh panel clearly 
Um, wasn't that a wasn't EB5 an 80s band? I'm pretty no. sure they had a couple hits in the 80s. <laughs> no, I think that was like E4 or something like that, or UB40, something like that. I don't know. There you go. There you go. Hey. I'm still trying to get. I'm still trying to make it over the insider information. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Steve, Steve's over here. Steve, Steve's over here. Nah, 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 but he's been he's been traveling. You know what I'm saying? He he's has been. been dude. Yeah, he's been traveling. He could have talked to somebody, man. You uh-huh. know. He was he was gone. He was gone for two weeks, and you know, just very covert. You never know who he's back, to, man. You know. That's a fact. That's a fact. All right. Last question for the day. I'm super excited about this one. I honestly almost threw this in the chat the other day. Um from our audience, favorite real estate transaction deal you've done? Start us off, CJ. Favorite real estate? I don't. I guess it's the favorite because it's the most memorable. Uh, I bought a house. I mean, maybe nine years ago now, and uh, it was my favorite real estate transaction because, uh, you know, for a long time in my life, real estate was about money, 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 and making as much money as possible. And I went to buy this lady's house. Uh, and I remember walking in the house and like there was a mattress in the master bedroom she was sleeping on. There was dogs. It's like a hoarder house. It was just terrible, terrible house. Feces everywhere, piss everywhere, that kind of thing. And I remember being very judgmental uh, in the beginning of that uh, process and just thinking about what I was going to get from it. And I was getting a home run deal at the time it was my biggest profit potential deal ever. And children in the house, that kind of thing. And I remember somebody helped me pause for a second and realize like, what I was doing for this family that had gotten themselves into this situation. Uh, and the deal then became about, we still obviously made a lot of money, but the deal then became about giving them some money back, uh, helping them with some resources. We gave some money up front uh, for uh, uh, the lady's son, the homeowner to be able to get into rehab uh, initially uh, and help them get into a better you know, place to live. So it's just the one that always kind of sticks out when people ask that uh, as being the favorite, not because of the profit, but because, you know, I, I felt like I grew in the deal itself. And uh, was able to help somebody uh, along the way. And I think that meant a lot. Nice. Lo- love that. Giving back and how fitting on 420 that you talk about that story with rehab and being able to, uh, you know, get him, get him the help that he needs. Uh, next, ne- next up, RJ, what about you? What's your most memorable deal? Yeah, I'm going to go with our uh, thousand day short sale in Hawaii. So, this is a, a property. It was uh, 8,800 square foot building uh, right on the bay. And it's a beautiful single family home that had been cut up and converted into where she was renting out the rooms, which is common in Hawaii, but it wasn't permitted to be done this way. And so she got foreclosed on by the first lender. She was she had a second mortgage and then she had as well as a quarter million dollars in fines from the city and the county. And so over the course of a thousand days, we had to negotiate with first lender, second lender, city and county to get it down to the purchase price that we needed. Um, that took uh, Elijah, my partner and friend to uh, sneak into the building official because he was like, hey, you can't get a meeting for six months. So he had to sneak his way in, uh, essentially cut the line to have the meeting. Um, it got all the way down to the closing. We had our lender in place. And literally the day of closing, the lender says, I don't have any money. Like I've given all my money out. 
and we thought we were going to lose the deal because we didn't close on that day. We literally argued, cussed, cried, and we got funding a week later, and we closed on it. We, we still own it to this day, but that's one of the craziest transactions I've ever done. That's definitely a crazy one. I, uh, I, I, would, I would say that's a, that's a little wild right there. What about you, Leon? I've got a few stories um, like CJ's um, and outside of my next transaction, which is generally my favorite one, the next one. Uh, my most, um, uh, my most favorite of all is you guys know me pretty well now from this show that I'm a, I'm a big, um, I'm a big relationship person. And I think, um, all of us on this uh, panel are, um, I had a private investor, uh, that came to me, um, that had a fourplex that he wanted to, uh, that he had been, there had been one of the four, uh, apartments rented in this fourplex the longest time and he'd owned it for 30, 40 years. Um, and he wanted, first he wanted me to, to look at it and then said, hey, would you buy this from me and I'll give you a great deal on it. And I had no reason, I had no clue why he wanted to sell it to me. Um, he had no kids. Um, come to find out later he was dying from pancreatic cancer. Um, and he, for whatever reason, um, because of our relationship, said, I want you to have this. Um, and, you know, it's one of those where he didn't want his wife uh, to, he didn't want his wife to have this burden. Um, and so he didn't give it to me, but he gave me such a great deal on it um, because he wanted, um, he knew that I would take care of it. He knew that I would um, get it fixed up and all of the property rented out. And it's just one of those when you're able to help someone and you didn't, you didn't even know, you know, where the story was going until, until the end. Uh, but it's my most memorable and most favorite transaction. Damn. Getting us in the heartstrings there, Leon. Um, lo love that though. I absolutely love it. Steve, what's your uh, favorite transaction that you've ever been a part of? Well, it's not going to be as, heartwarming as these other guys uh, i can say that's for sure uh for me it was the deal that we got to do where we added a lot of creativity to it right it was um it was a deal where there were four siblings and it was a probate situation where each of them owned a quarter and at some point after mom passed the oldest brother attacked the other three siblings with a louisville baseball bat forced Ooh. them out of the house and so they hated each other obviously and the house was worth about 140 when we first reached out to them. So, you know, about 35K, each one has enough that it was worth to them. And we bought out three of the siblings at 7,000 a piece because they wanted nothing to do with that sibling. And so, you know, we're 21,000 in for 75% of the property. Uh, we then enforced a partition sale, got him to agree to sell to us through the judge split the lot and so we bought a property that was worth 140 and after everything was said and done um well bought it for less than 140 but after everything was said and done splitting the lot we sold the uh, we sold the lot for what we basically bought the house for and then selling the house was pure profit right so using joint tenancy partition sale adding a lot of creativity to add value here that was my favorite transaction but my second favorite is monty weimer um so Monty, Matthew, if you recall, we I were do. doing a short sale. We were doing a short sale where there were six liens. First lien was on board. 
Second lien was on board. Fourth lien was on board. Fifth lien was on board. Sixth lien was on board. And the third lien was fighting over $3,000. And so we tried to explain to him, you understand, it's three. you want three more thousand. So it's either zero or $6,000. What do you prefer? It's like, we have principal. We will not settle. And they got nothing. And everyone got screwed on that transaction. So we got five out of six things approved in that short sale. Jeez. Yeah. I just want to address the uh, elephant in the room, if, if we could. Um, I want to raise my hand in acknowledgement here on Pardon the Disruption. Uh, I like 420 Steve, too. I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, so much buildup. I love it. <laughs> and hey, then he mutes himself. <laughs> Real quick, Potter, since I know you're going to go with either Leon and CJ because they went the emotional route. Um, I, I'm just arguing that Leon is disqualified because he straight up plagiarized Tom Brady with my favorite deals, the next one. So I think Leon <laughs> should just be disqualified. I, I, I don't know, man. That, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a great, that is an absolutely great line though. Like, let's be honest. Like it just is. because I live Matthew's in Tampa doesn't fan. mean I, that, yeah, I, I'm not a Brady fan. Just because I live in Tampa doesn't mean that I'm a, I'm a Brady guy. I, I, I know he said that, but I didn't quote him directly. Obviously, you're line. a Brady guy because you're freaking quoting him on all of your answers. <laughs> yeah, I did TB12 this morning. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> so, real quick, we've got a question for a future. I just As we were going through this, especially with CJ's answer, all I could think about as CJ is talking is about all the fecal matter homes and all of the, the, the cigarette stains. So a future question has to be the most interesting house that you've ever purchased and why. Because we have, I guarantee you, a hundred different stories of some of the things that have been found in houses, including people <laughs> with guns. And I won't give it away, but that's a future question for sure. We're definitely going to save that one for the next time you're on, Leon. Definitely. Like, the, we're just, oh, we're going to roll with that. That might be even the headliner right there. Yeah. The most interesting thing in a home that you purchased. Uh, there's there's a lot there. So a couple things that I just want. There goes CJ. He, like, just dips out. We got nothing but que- We got question marks, CJ. We love him. Yeah, I, I accidentally hit re- <laughs> I just hit refresh the screen for no reason, and it just felt like it was the right thing to do. <laughs> You know, it felt I right in like the moment. This, I feel like this is the most. If we if we could, like all of us should leave this and go watch Half Baked because I feel like this is a real talk. type of day. Real, real talk. Um, so a couple 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 things that I gotta go ahead and um that I gotta go ahead and say mm-hmm. here. We got RJ talking some shit in the chat over here saying CJ text me that he made the entire story up. So RJ, first first and foremost. You're a rascal. No points. Sorry, it's not going to happen. Um, Le- Leon over here, you know, my next deal is my favorite deal. Shout out to Leon. Absolutely love that. Um, Steve bringing in the traumatic Monty Weimer short sale. Um, I can't get on board with that shit. Like, absolutely not. I'm going to give that uh, I'm going to give that round to um, CJ since, you know, he he came on and as i had mentioned and like steve this is this is gonna hurt 
you know this is going to hurt and there's consequences for your actions of putting that horrible website into the chat over here um <laughs> cj by default you know thank you for you know being a nice guy you win today my guy cj over here that being said, Amen. it has been it has been a blast today. I think this is probably one of the best shows that we've had. Like, no joke. Absolutely no joke. Um, thank you, as always, from our sponsor, uh, Tony Javier with 10X TV. Go ahead and check him out. Uh, website is tvwithtony.com. Um, that being said, we're going to go ahead and do some outros here. Start us off as our champion, CJ. Go ahead and say bye to the people. Champion. Yeah, it's always good to get a win again <laughs> as, as the resident champion. Um, I, I got to say this before I, <laughs> I got to say this before I get out of here. Uh, I'm going to take the default win, right? I'm going to I'm going to take the default win, and I want to salute all the RJ based the thirds of the world to get these default wins in life. Um, and, and get their participation trophy, you know, at the little league game that Leon coaches every Saturday and they go home and the parent pass them on the back. Like, Hey, little RJ, you just, you just did so good. I'm so proud of you. And they stick at the participation trophy that every kid got that play. Cause they're on the losing team. Right. And they stick that trophy up on the wall. Uh, and they're so proud every time they go in their room at night and look at it. Uh, so I'll take the default win. It's Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern, startflippingdeals.com. And if you've never been on one of my live classes, you're missing out. I'll see you tonight. Much to the fam. Peace. And we're really hoping next week when CJ comes that he'll go ahead and come with high-speed internet and not dial up. So <laughs> <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't have them question marks. RJ, it was a valiant effort today, my friend. We appreciate you. Go ahead yep. and talk to the people. Shout out to 420. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Weed. Shout out to Weed. Yeah. This morning. It didn't work out so well. Uh, yeah. Shout out to Millie Vanilli on his win today. I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> uh, that, that might be the, that might actually be the greatest outro of all time, RJ. We appreciate, we appreciate that. Leon, talk to us. Yeah, clearly he's on the. He talked about Hawaii earlier. But clearly he's on the Maui Wowie here in the second half. Of the <laughs> uh, good to see you guys as always. And remember, our next show is our best show. If you're going to align yourself with somebody, RJ, like you might as well align yourself with the champion. You know that uh, that has rings, more rings than some of us have fingers. So. Um, exciting show today uh shout out to everyone this was uh it was a fun one uh steve may, maybe maybe and you didn't get the <laughs> maybe you're my favorite show of yours my friend well done today thank you a absolutely agree leon not gonna lie i did give steve a 30 minute pep talk before we got into this so that's you guys are seeing the direct result of that steve <laughs> go go ahead and say <laughs> bye to the people <laughs> So as we mentioned earlier, you know, we hire rehabilitated drug dealers to work within our organization. We're also looking yeah. to hire rehabilitated, rehabilitated drug dealers to host a show. Go to firematthewpotter.com to submit your application. I look forward to working with you. Yeah. Oh. 
All right, everyone. We hope you had as much fun watching us as we had having this show today. <laughs> as always, tune in uh, Thursdays. We have 1130 uh, Pacific Standard Time, 230 EST. Check us out. We had a blast. We'll see you all next week.